Welcome to episode 211 of Motown Mojo Live. I'm your co-host Dominic Reggio and I'm the writer and creator of the Arcane Awakening graphic novel trilogy, Donnie Brook, our hockey comic series, the Rowdy Rowdy Piper graphic novel, and owner of Mess Bucket Comics, a self-published independent Detroit, Michigan-based comic book company. For more information, check out messbucketcomics.com and find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Mess Bucket Comic. Thanks so so much for tuning in this evening. We are Motown Mojo Live, an entertainment podcast bringing you all types of entertainment from Detroit and beyond. If you check out our show logo, a guy standing in front of the city of Detroit, whiskey flask in hand, beard, and flat cap. That is, in fact, Morris Jones, also known as Mojo. Mojo is one of the popular good guys in the Arcane Awakening graphic novel trilogy. Mojo is a descendant of Jim Morrison. He drinks whiskey and speaks in all Doors lyrics. So since Mojo transcends comics and music, we decided to center our entertainment podcast around Mojo. Like I said, thanks for tuning in this evening. We are broadcasting live from the Echo Network studio here in downtown Royal Oak, Michigan. If you or somebody you know would like your very own podcast, please contact us, echo-podcast.com, and we will help you get started on your very own show. Joining me this evening is my co-host. He's a very talented artist and musician. He's part of the band Chaw, as well as lead singer of Lucy's Brown Seville. He is Mr. Marcus Concernicus. Marcus, how you doing, man? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> All right. And also joining us this evening, he is a mutual friend of my former co-host, Mr. Dickie Bronson. He is the genetic jackpot, the baron of the beefcakes, 
Detroit pro wrestler, Mr. Joe Coleman. Joe, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You missed a few monikers like oh. uh, Mr. Latterday Night, the <laughs> Warlock of Wit, Thunderlats himself, the Tan Lantern. Uh, you know, it's a little pale now because of the COVID, but whatever. Weapon Flex. Uh, you know, I'm getting winded just uh, going yeah. over them. But thank you so very much for yeah. having me. The Appreciate it. What? The, the genetic jackpot. Come uh, on, yeah. man. He's blowed up. He's blowed up with all these monikers. And uh, I'm so glad to have you here, Joe. Thank you very much. And, uh, Thank you for having me. Playing live in the second half of our show this evening. He's been my co-host for many years. He's played on our show a few times, but he is stepping in into the batter's box, and you're going to hear more from our great musical guest, Mr. Marcus Concernicus. Marcus, Hello. thank you for being here. Uh, we're doing this. He's, he's double duty. He's, uh, he's like uh, Mick Jagger on Saturday Night Live as the host and the musical guest. Um, so you have a uh, lofty, a very, very lofty goal to uh, live up to, Mr. Marcus Kosenikis. Oh, man. <laughs> so <laughs> people know you that have listened to our show, uh, you know, as the co-host. And uh, they've gotten a little bit of information here and there. But uh, you're a great performer, in, in my humble opinion. But uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So you've, you've been in bands. If we can go over it really quick. Um, you were a musical and an artistic guy, you know, for – early on in your career right mm. i mean what what was it that turned you on to art and music uh it was all an escape from other things okay that growing up things weren't so great so i turned to art and music and that that seemed to be where i lived from from there on <laughs> okay so was your was your artwork uh, an escape like w were you coming from a negative headspace or just well i mean you know I was an awkward kid, and in the 80s, kids were kind of cruel in middle school. And uh, and an awkward adult. Yeah. Let's be. <laughs> well, let's, yeah, let's not, let's be real. Yeah. I'm, I'm plenty awkward now, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm a little bit more comfortable with it now, I guess. Right, right. Okay, so you, you had um, uh, an escape with, with art. What about music? Yep. Uh, that I always loved. I grew up, you know, listening to my mom always played, like, Motown on the radio and Luther Vandross and uh, all kinds of, you know, really like early early Beatles stuff. You know, Supremes. She she loved that stuff. And right about the time when she started getting into country, friends started showing me their music, and I found my dad's record collection. Okay. And he had you know like Hendrix and you know Zeppelin and Beatles and Yes right. and Emerson Lake and Palmer and uh, Frank Zappa and. Blind Faith and Eric Clapton and all these, you know, Pink Floyd, The Doors, right? Um, and this is and you you enjoyed this like performance part of the music? Is that what? Yeah, yep. Um, I don't know. It it was just a a place. It was a it was a place where you could funnel all of that energy. You know, whether it whatever your thing is, like you know, wrestling. You have a place where you are given the place to, to shine and then in music you know it's the stage or okay. for art it's a gallery or it's like an art show or a comic book show you know so i i like love those atmospheres and so it was a different yeah. place to express yourself other than art right? yeah because they i mean at my house it didn't really connect with anyone what you know, didn't connect just what i was doing really? in that in that sense it was like oh yeah that's great he's doing a thing but it's always oh, a casual like whatever go back to your room kind of yeah okay. like kind of it felt that way growing up but like you know the more i did it the more i you know met amazing people and like-minded people i learned from uh -huh. them and and uh 
get even weirder. I see. As a, as a result, because <laughs> I just take pieces of of all these different things and I just bring it all together in this Frankenstein Marcus that is that <laughs> is me, and I'm like in, influenced by so many things. I see. So, so uh, you know, there, there's a difference between being a uh, a musician that is influenced by people that already created music where you might end up in a, a jam band or, or a cover band or something like that. I'm wondering at what point were you uh, looking at it and saying, I don't just want to recreate or, or cover songs. I'd like to create. I'd like to write. I'd like to be a performer of original material. Yeah, that that was a process because I was learning from other people and I was always, you know, recreating what they were doing in my own way and, you know, cover songs and all that, you know. Um, but I definitely had things I wanted to say. Okay. And eventually that just kind of intertwined. And then I, I got really into the idea of um, all these other artists doing mashups where they like take their originals and fuse them with cover songs and throwing two or more songs into that that they all sound similar and okay. having it be this big crazy thing. And, and, and I started to gravitate more towards that. Okay. All right. So, uh, now your musical career we'll stick with that for a minute um kept going and you were in bands and i know uh a couple smaller type bands but you kind of started in my opinion correct yeah, me yeah. if i'm wrong you kind of started to take it serious and record with lucy's brown seville is that fair to say um yes and no like okay. with with chaw we we took it serious we we recorded every single practice. Oh, was Chaw before Lucy's? No, it, it was oh, after right. and during. Okay. They they both coincided for a while. Oh, I see. Uh, like 2011 to like 2013 or 14 is when Chaw was kind of in its heyday, and we were super creative. And okay. Uh, and then Lucy's was also doing a lot of creative things, but we also had a lot of changing of people coming in and out of the band, and a lot of folks didn't work out and kind of had to like start over every time you get a new person because you got to bring them up to speed and and then go on to the next new thing so right now we're we're heading straight into recording okay um one of our former guests tony Lowe, mm -hmm. actually recently joined the band as a bassist and if you're familiar with tony Lowe, you can check him out on instagram and he 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 drops the funk he doesn't mess Big around time. yeah so it's it's it was really cool to have him with us and uh we're just Really excited about the next phase of Lucy's Brown Seville, and um, so Lucy's is a funky band, right? Like this yeah, is like a funky Motown kind of thing. We definitely love that that whole vibe, and uh, you know we're we're, we're influ influenced by you know like Government Mule, Derek Truck, Salmon Brothers, right? A lot of different genres, but we always put like a like a smooth Motown groovy funk to it. Okay, we always kind of pull from those. You know, Stack Soul, Motown, right. James Brown, P Funk, Prince, Sly and the Family Stone. That I whole, dig it. that whole attitude. Yeah, but with everything. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's weird? I you know, people that have been listening to our show for you know years here will know that uh, Marcus is a multi-talented guy. And I, he's, he's uh, we'll show you Joe some of the pages that he's inked and penciled. Uh, for my up upcoming comic, which is not, it's like nothing I've ever seen. I don't, Sweet. I've never seen a comic like this. I'm so excited for it. Uh, Marcus is totally fucked in the head, and I don't, <laughs> I've never really met anyone like him. Uh, That's what makes a great artist, yeah. man. <laughs> but he's also, what, what, what's, what's really cool is that he has these other talents. As, as he was a guest, or a, a, I'm sorry, a co host on my show, he was a guest and then a co host. 
uh, I, I, uh, I noticed that he was like taking notes and he's like, and we had a band on here called plethora and we, it just it grew organically. We had, yeah. we did not plan for this. Uh, you know, they started playing a song. Marcus was taking notes and then we just, we, it was a collaboration of a brand new song that just kind of fucking occurred out of blue, uh, you know, thin air, right? Marcus, is that improv. How it an improv song? Yeah. So, uh, Marcus had these, uh, and then he's like, what if we did that every show where I just improv a song about the guest? And I'm thinking, that's amazing. I didn't know that was a fucking option. Like you can just come up with a song. He goes, yeah, I'll take notes. And then as he's taking these notes, you know, and I heard him perform with Lucy's Brown Seville, he has this thing called the mouth trumpet, which is incredible. He plays a trumpet out of his fucking mouth, right? I mean, and it sounds incredible. Every time he does it, everyone in the room, like eyebrows go to the back of their head. They're like, what the fuck? Where's the trumpet? He's just using his lips. And uh, I so, ate it. <laughs> so he's we, we found like a, a hidden talent and I don't know if it was hidden, but uh, it, for me, it was hidden. And he's really, really good at it. And, and I'm, I'm really, really proud that uh, uh, many, many people for hundreds of episodes have learned about your great talents, Marcus. I, I appreciate it. It's something yeah. that I have to practice in the car on long road trips. <laughs> and it did not sound very good when I first started doing that. And it, I don't even know how to describe it really it can you can you do it for us real quick <laughs> 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 he's laughing he can't like he, he was halfway through it but okay um so marcus <laughs> so we got there's lucy's and you guys are working on new material we don't know when yeah that's we come out. i mean shit the last we, we put out an ep in 2012 and uh with every intention of a follow-up but you know life happens and money is right. tight and you know it gets the services to put out music cost a lot of money. Right. Uh, you know, mixing and mastering, paying guys to do that, it's it's hundreds of dollars, and it's hard to come by. <laughs> right. So, so uh, you've been working also on a solo project, right? Uh, yeah. You know, like I can't stop my brain from doing what it's going to do. And, and, and I through the art community in Detroit, I met a lot of really in incredibly talented, amazing people that just inspired the shit out of me right and just showed me like their toys and what they're working with and like hey we got this show over here why don't you set up a booth and we're doing two more shows after that why don't you play a set and it just it all comes together right when you find yourself in the right group of folks right and, you know they kind of shop you around and and uh so your 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 solo project i mean we heard about lucy's and the yeah. funk and the motown like what 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 can we expect from that solo project well a couple of these guys, J Rose and Zach, who we've had on the show, Zach yeah. and Army, they, they use um, this loops loop station, uh, and it's five tracks of constant looping, and you can loop a thing like if you're doing a horn, a <laughs> it's gonna keep doing that, right? And then you can add effects to it and drop a beat on the next track and bring these things in and out like a DJ, and right? You're creating your own stuff like right there on the fly, like if you have music in your head. And you just like I walk around and I just hear music in my head, right. and I'm like tapping on things. Because you're I'm fucked. Like, I'm yeah. just fu I mean, I just hear <laughs> it. Um, and I, you know, we can debate where all that shit comes from because, right. like, we've kind of talked about that a little bit. You know, our idea is not even being ours. It's just like right. all part of this big tree that we have to pluck from. Or, or no, what was it? The the metaphor I used was uh, radio 
uh, stations. Like if you're if you tune your brain a certain way, you can pick up on certain things that will uh-huh. come to you, and you know. And if it, you don't grab it, where does it go? It goes back into the ether, right. and someone else gets it. You right. know, like and right. you're like you, you had a thought, and then you lost it, and then ten years later, you're like someone making a million dollars. Like fuck, that's my idea. You know what I right. mean? It's kind of like one of those things. So I'm constantly like s- scrambling to write ideas down or. I'm recording them in this phone thing. I've got a bunch of trumpet shit in here, and <laughs> like I just hear melodies, and I have to right. like fucking put it in there, and that makes sense, you know, and uh, just preserve it, or it's gone. And uh, so with the with the new stuff, I'm trying to bring art and, and music together in the same performance, mm-hmm. and I can only do that with a loop situation, right? Or many loops, because the loops give me time to move between the looper and the canvas. Okay. So every time I add a thing to the looper, I'm turning around and I'm throwing something at a canvas. Like paint or you're drawing on paint. a canvas? Yeah, it'll be a, it'll paint, you know, it'll be a good distance so I don't make a mess all over the gear, but. Fuck's sake, you're painting and recording music? Yeah, because like I've seen all these people like spit, I've done a little videos of this. I've yeah. done some, yeah, I do it in a couple of, uh, Facebook Live things, if you go to my Marcus Works Facebook page, back in April when all this shit got thick, uh-huh. uh, I did some live stuff, and I was doing looping stuff, and then I was adding stuff to this canvas behind me and just right. jumping around like a lunatic, and it's just a fun little thing, you know? But I want to conceptualize it more. I wanted right. to have, like, the song and the piece to have a, a cohesive thing, or I want it to be, like, a fun improv thing where it's, I don't know what it's going to be when it's done. Right. But the idea is to bounce back and forth. What I like about that is, you know, when you have a band, uh, let's say, you know, you have Pearl Jam and then Eddie Vedder did some solo projects or, or Mick Jagger. It kind of sounds like uh, a poor man's Pearl Jam or, or <laughs> Rolling Stone where you're like, all right, you, you know what to expect. And when you hear it, it's what you expected. Now, with you, with your previous recordings, and what you like, what I've heard just from being at your house and what you've told me, I'm like, this sounds nothing like what you've done. This is way the fuck out there. This yeah. is what I like about it. Like that's that's cool. It shows your uh, multi-talented I, uh, musicianship. I appreciate it. It gives it gives me idea. And and you know, like being into this whole podcast world now, it gives me ideas of like how to do like my own show. You've been pushing me to, to get that together for right. at least a couple of years now. Uh-huh. And I've got conceptually the ideas for the show, but I have, I haven't physically like put it together or brought people together for it. So, right. So I have it, to ask you it'll, this. It'll happen, but I have to ask you this. Um, <laughs> we've been doing this show for a long time. And, uh, Mr. Marcus Concernic is here. He is a big fan of conspiracy theories and aliens <laughs> and all this stuff and he's very he has a vast knowledge of it and, he, and he's uh, very passionate about it and it's really really cool so i have to ask you the question that you've asked all our musical guests here marcus i don't know if i can do it as well as you can <laughs> you got any songs about aliens man <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got at least a couple yes! <laughs> yes but see i don't get a point for that no you gotta <laughs> record them is yeah. this going to be on the solo project? Yeah, it definitely will. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, uh, before we head over to Joe, you uh, can you let people know uh, where they can check you out, uh, social media, website, all this stuff? Um, well, I started a new like custom illustration card company. So if you want custom cards from me, uh, you can go to Marcus Works Custom Cards 2020 on uh, Instagram. Do you spell Marcus Works? M-A-R-C-U-S-W-O-R-X. 
Okay. And the same for Marcus Works on Facebook is an art page. Or if you want to just find me, I'm Marcus Concernicus. I uh, got stuff on SoundCloud, YouTube, um, Lucy's Brownsville stuff on YouTube as well. There's some Chaw stuff in there too. Right. Um, yeah, that's 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 what my brain's got right now. All right, <laughs> awesome. So for those listening for the first time, we have something on our show called Mojo's Vault, and what it is is a collection of gifts from past guests on our show and people coming through the Echo Network Studio can purchase these gifts for a very low price. 100% of the purchases go towards charity, my charity, the Frozen Fish Fiasco Annual Charity at Clark Park in Detroit. It is a charity that helps garner money for Clark Park and the, Cl and the Clark Park Coalition to help underprivileged kids in Southwest Detroit get after school tutoring and scholarships. We are associated with the Alumni Detroit Red Wings as well. We've raised over $135,000 for the park in 11 years. So if you'd like to be a part of that event as a sponsor or an attendee, check out frozenfishfiasco.com. Having said that, Joe Coleman, what do you have for Mojo's Vault this evening? There, It's on the table to your left over there if you forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a limited edition uh, Weapon Flex Program Genetic Jackpot Joe Coleman t-shirt. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the full shirt. It's not the crop top I come to the ring in. Yeah. But uh, if you'd request, I am something of an artiste. I uh, have it down to a science and the ways of making these crop tops. So I could hook right. you up with one of those as well. Uh, and you got a couple of uh, limited edition Halal Beefcake stickers as well. Fuck yes. I love it. These, I, I'm so excited for these gifts. I might buy them myself. Um, so uh, we have a mutual friend, Mr. Dickie Bronson. Uh, how did you meet Dickie? And, uh, you know, he, he recommended you for the show a long time ago. Yeah, I met uh, Dickie at XICW, which is the first uh, independent wrestling promotion I actually uh, ever <laughs> Uh, fought at uh, uh -huh. in January 2014. God, that was a long time ago. Time ago. <laughs> it's crazy to say that, but uh, yeah, that's what it is. And okay. uh, we were just, you know, fast friends. We've uh, had our discrepancies in the ring quite a few times, <laughs> but uh, oh, you've worked each other. Uh, yeah, yeah, we fought a couple times. Uh, it's been brutal. Uh, was it one on one? I think or? he's come out on top. Next time I see him, I'm going to have to beat his ass for that. Yeah. He cheated, but whatever. whatever. Smack that motherfucker. Whatever. It <laughs> makes no sense. It was bull crap. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, how we met. Okay. Came fast friends and uh, been podcasting and talking comics and wrestling ever since. Right, right. So uh, I'm wondering, uh, when you were, were a young uh, genetic jackpot, I'm wondering, were you – influence like what what made you want to be a pro wrestler was it a match were you watching tv were you at a live event was it a wrestler was it a promo what what actually grabbed you by the throat and didn't let go where you're like i want to do this you know it's uh it's pretty weird because i i grew up what because i have an older brother he's about uh seven years my senior so uh i grew up watching all of the pay-per-views because yeah. you have uh, my parents would throw pay-per-view parties for him all the time so one of the first ones i remember watching was uh, a tape of wrestlemania 4 where okay. savage wins the title and the tournament, the tournament and all yeah. that good stuff and then uh I vividly remember the buildup to WrestleMania five, and that was like the first party he had, where he invited a bunch of his friends over, and they had a cool little wrestling cake with. Uh, <laughs> they had like little AWA uh, miniatures on it and stuff right. like that. It wasn't WWF, but whatever, little sure. wrestling guys. 
Uh, they're worth quite a bit now if you check them out on eBay. But, um, yeah, he'd always have these parties. So I, I had a lot of access to wrestling through that. So he'd have, you know, all the big ones, Mania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and he'd always have a big party. It was a big event. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was around it, but I wasn't as much into it. Uh, Hulk Hogan was my guy. I was sure. a little Hulkamaniac, all that stuff. But I didn't really get into it myself. We kind of fell out a little bit in – when Hogan actually kind of left in uh, in like ninety three ish, so uh, Yokozuna, yeah, yeah, we kind of <laughs> like fell out a little bit. But uh, I came back a little bit after WrestleMania eleven, and uh, it was right after like it was that Monday Night Raw immediately after Sid powerbomb Shawn Michaels a thousand times and almost right. kills him, and uh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, that was w- when I really got into it. And I don't know something about the way Shawn Michaels came back, and then all of a sudden he was a baby face and. Okay. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd get started to get out of wrestling when he was a singles heel. I'd seen him as a rocker, and then I saw him as a heel, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know about this guy, whatever. But when I came back, and he became this baby face, and he was winning the Intercontinental title from Jeff Jarrett and all that, and then all of a sudden it became about the boyhood dream. Like, I was about Ooh. that. I was that, that you know, age that uh they You're were telling HBK, uh, he, uh babyface guy yeah yeah okay. so they were telling they were telling that story okay you know since the age of 12 it's haunted him right. made him what it is today the, the boy, undying boy, dream geez. oh yeah it was yeah. all about it it was like oh man i could i could do that one day really? you know i have okay. that dream i could be a champion huh. so all right that was like kind of what really planted the seed and really got its hooks in me and i was just ah. so so into wrestling i couldn't get enough of it and like that uh, 90, 95 is when it kind of started, but like 96 and 97, 97 is hands down my favorite year as a fan, uh, in pro wrestling, more. Yeah. dude, it's just so good. So much good stuff. Especially Shawn Michaels in 97. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, but see, even in retrospect, like I hated him cause I was a Shawn Michaels guy. Yeah. I hated Bret Hart so much, right. but like now as an adult, I'm like, Bret Hart was the friggin' man. Yeah. Like you Maybe Bret Hart 97 might be my favorite wrestler of all time. Yes. I don't know. Just everything about it was so cool and so real. He was a total bad guy when he was here in the States, but when he was in Canada, he was just If I was going to give the United Everybody States an enema, it would be right here <laughs> in, was it Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah. 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 You ever right. notice how the United States is shaped like one big toilet bowl? He'd just <laughs> yeah. say all this stuff. And in, right. in Canada, we still care for the sick and the yeah. old. And like We're you know, killing I have, each other on the street. Yeah, I yeah. have a lot of uh, Canadian heritage, actually. And, oh, uh, I didn't know that. You know, okay. my aunt was right over the bridge there in Windsor, so I was like, "Yeah, man, life is so much better in Canada. <laughs> Crap isn't like that at all." Brett's right, even though like I hated him. Like, I mean, I had my bone crunching Jack's Pacific figure that I ripped to shreds, and <laughs> right. you know, covered in fake blood that I made, and all this stuff. But Where all of them look the same. Oh man, uh, I was <laughs> insane. But yeah, it was uh, back to the question. It was definitely that whole Shawn Michaels Iron Man match build up it was like man yeah he had a dream he made it happen i can do the same thing so i i just identified with that man i see uh, yeah that's what really made it made it start what i feel like uh you know pro wrestling has kind of been the redheaded stepchild of entertainment people just for whatever reason never respected it and i always even as a kid i was at wrestlemania 3 i was at wrestlemania 23 i've been to many many really cool events and I've always respected what they did because they were doing a multitude of things. You, you can't just be an athlete and be a pro wrestler. That doesn't work. You can't just be an actor. You can't just be a stuntman. You have to have 
charisma. You have to have it. You have to be able to do so many different things, cut a promo, uh, understand where, when to lay on the gas and hit the brakes. So I'm wondering, uh, you know, for you, what, uh, what was the most difficult thing for you to learn in this crazy hybrid form of entertainment? Man, are you kidding me? It's all been, I'm the genetic jackpot. It came, <laughs> it came easy. I was born this way, baby. Uh, but no, really, dude. Uh, it, it, for me, it started, uh, it was something that I just always wanted to do. Like, I, right. it felt like the coolest job in the world. You get to be essentially, it's the closest thing you get to being a superhero or a supervillain. And right. I'm just such a comic book nerd. And, uh, you know, you're an athlete, you're also an entertainer, you get to do right. all this cool stuff and get to travel the world and see all these cool things and just, uh, you're the center of, the, of attention when you're yeah. in that ring, you're controlling everybody's emotions, especially if you can make them pay attention. So, right. uh, so did it come easy to you to, to, to cut a promo or to, to get in the ring and slam somebody? Or take a bump or any of this stuff like what? That's what? that's the thing. It didn't. Uh, it didn't necessarily come easy because so the first time I saw like I just finished college, and I saw an advertisement online for open tryouts at Ohio Valley Wrestling, and yeah. uh, I was like, Eastern, wow, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah the Western. Eastern. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. I didn't know there was heat, but there's heat. There's heat. I'll hit you with a fat burner right <laughs> through this thing. <laughs> you know, I don't need to hear your shit. All right, I'm gonna back down. I'm back down. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever kicked out. All right, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say that right now. That's an absolute fact. I know. I'm running out. <laughs> We're gonna count out victory here. But uh, it was one of those things, like, so I show up to this camp, right, yeah. and I'm uh, one of, like, three people that show up with zero wrestling training, and I did it on a whim. I was like, this will be a great story to tell one day. Yeah. And uh, I show up, and there's a lot of guys that showed up to this camp that are now huge stars in the business and things like that, but I was mm -hmm. only one of, like, only three to show up with zero experience. So I, I borrowed wrestling boots from a local indie guy I knew. Um, I had gym shorts and a tank top, but everybody else who's already been in the business shows up in like a suit and they've got resumes. And I felt like the biggest moron and just okay. so out of place. But, uh, there was a wrestling veteran from new, the new England area. His name's brutal Bob Evans. And he actually came up to me and made me feel really good. He's like, you know what? Thanks for takes the guts to be here. Thanks for showing up in shape and wearing wrestling boots, tuck your laces in and, uh, you know, enjoy and learn all you can. And I was like, okay, cool. So I had that little cool vote of confidence. And as I watched it, I was, I couldn't believe how hard everything was because mm -hmm. I saw what really went into it. And you watch it as a fan for decades and you're like, man, as soon as I step through those ropes, I'm going to be Shawn Michaels. I'm going to be the best. And, and make it look easy. Right? Dude, <laughs> especially, uh, HBK there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, man, you, you get in there and you learn how intricate things are and the way right. things are done, the right way, the wrong way, why you do this, why you do that. It doesn't come easy. It right. doesn't come easy. So, yeah, learning how to take a fall, things like that. Uh-huh. It, it was very hard, and especially, you know. So You're I, saying I the whole to, thing was difficult. It was very difficult. I think uh, – the easiest, the thing that comes easiest is I'm just very naturally uh, energetic and have yeah. a, a very big personality. So that right. always shines through in what I do. And uh, I have a way of just grabbing people's attention sometimes. So I have that right. going for me. But it, everything else was very, very difficult to start. It was just practice, practice, practice. And that's why, you know, I hate to turn it into an advertisement. But at the time, like – Ohio Valley Wrestling is a wrestling training center. Yeah. There's no no place better in the world. Like, you know, I was trained by Hustler Rip Rogers and 
eventually he took a guy who couldn't <laughs> you know couldn't bump couldn't do all these things properly couldn't throw a punch and uh now i can do that stuff and call a 60 minute match you know blindfolded so right okay so now ovw at that time when you were there was that a wwe uh, territory? No, they'd actually just left, but uh, okay. Impact Wrestling it beca- eventually oh, Impact. became an Impact Wrestling uh, okay. developmental territory to an extent. It had ties to Impact. So, so when you went there, uh, you, you got your you got borrowed boots, and you don't know what you're doing <laughs> and everything, and you're learning. You're a sponge at that point, right? Now, was this the beginning of the Joe Coleman genetic jackpot character, or, or did you already have that in mind? I kind of had it in mind. Okay. Um, a little bit because uh, <laughs> I made up the moniker because uh, I don't know when I was still a party guy or whatever me and my buddy were just being stupid at a bar and he was hitting on the bartender he's like madam you have just won the genetic lottery I was like you hit the genetic jackpot and I hit it hit me right there I was like wow what a what a cool name I was like right. if I were ever a pro wrestler that'd be a cool huh? moniker and you could play it in so many ways it'd almost be like a modern day type like Mr. Perfect type of thing oh, okay. so uh what were some of those monikers what's that yeah, you were throwing them faster than I could write them oh uh, you know just Crazy stuff. Tan Lantern, Weapon Flex, Baron of the Beefcakes, Mr. Latterday Night, the Latidactyl, the Lat Man, uh, Thunder Lats, if I didn't say it. There's a lot of lat puns. I've got a lat cave and a lat signal. I kind of (laughs) just steal Batman's whole thing. uh. So, I mean, yeah, you're you're a comic geek and you're you're a wrestler, but... You, a lot. If you haven't noticed, uh, a lot of these monikers come from the lats. Now that's because you have incredible <laughs> lats. Oh stop! Right? God, dumb. God, stop it! Are you keep we, your pants on? I, I can't. Oh, They're wow. already up. I Just them in the stop. Corner. Stop it. So, uh, were you always uh, into you know uh, bodybuilding and weightlifting? And you noticed that the first thing to develop were your lats, and this you brought this into your no your character. It's just I guess it's just the way I carried myself, and it was like <laughs> my anatomical gift. So like sure. some people, you know, when they work out, they might have. Uh, really sweet triceps some people like uh, right. my tag team partner he's got really good quads it's just these things <laughs> that develop really easily for me i just have <laughs> a bigger back and i have good calves despite whatever people might say uh-huh. you know what i say that's libel it's slanderous <laughs> however you want to put it it's bull crap i have terrific terrific calves and lats so uh it's just one of those things that you know, just kind of happened, and people started commenting on it. So I just ran with it. And uh, it I just, love it. Yeah, it's a dumb thing. You gotta go with what works, right? So now your character was evolving, and you had the idea for the character going into, into OVW, and you, and when you when you went from there, you were. Uh, I'm skipping a few things here, but you were an XICW here. Now, did did the character evolve at that point? Were you were you adding little little pieces of spice to? Well, that's that's where it actually it actually got to start at like XICW. I always yeah. wanted to do like the genetic jackpot thing because I okay. I felt like it sounded like a cool moniker. And when I started wrestling, I of course was gonna try and pick some sort of like crappy name like Logan Steele or right. something just goofy. Like I'm sure there's probably been 46 of those. <laughs> but uh, like when I was at OVW, a guy was like, "You just use your real name. It sounds like a uh, it sounds like an MMA name. You know, you sound like a fighter." I'm like, "Oh, all 
all right, but you know, I've had it my entire life, so it just sounds like a boring name, but it's okay, but I, you know, put a little more sizzle on it. I had a cool name because all the cool wrestlers, it was Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Brett the Hitman Hart, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. There's always some sort of moniker to make like a regular name sound just that much more spectacular. So, yeah, so mine, eh, there's quite a bit of syllables with it, but. if it gets over, it's all right. <laughs> so I'm wondering, as far as your look, and you're working on the character, and it's improving, and uh, when we're looking at you now, when we were talking in the green room, we were talking, it was a nerdy fucking conversation. I'm going to be honest with everybody here. We're talking <laughs> comics, we're talking movies, we're doing all this stuff. Now your look, now we already we already discussed the lats and, and the calves and, and the quads and everything, but you also, you have a uh, Logan, a Wolverine haircut kind of thing now was that always a part of it or did this did you grow into this that that just kind of happened i've just always just kind happened? of yeah i've kind of just <laughs> always spiked my hair and uh <laughs> it, it kind of fans out a little bit that way so yeah, that's kind of almost just natural so that's that's something that you know just works for me but i mean when i started wrestling i did the whole mutton chops thing and was <laughs> trying really hard at it okay but uh yeah, now now it's just kind of my hairstyle. And this is yeah, this is what you're going with now. Now you grew up uh, a bit of a nerd. Now looking at you, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, wouldn't I wouldn't be like, all right, this guy's a nerd. But let me you, tell you something right now, you nerd. <laughs> you you were a, a comic book geek. I mean, as far as I can tell from talking to you a few times, you know, you you're a collector, like, and you and you know your shit. Like, you're way more knowledgeable than me, and I'm a comic book writer. I should know yeah. as much as you, but I do not. <laughs> I'll be the first one to tell you. You know your stuff, and I, uh, like, I've probably forgotten a lot. I get hit in the head a lot, as you know. So, <laughs> there's a correlation, I, I believe. I remember Hulk Hogan talking about this in the '80s. Was <laughs> you know, there's comics, and and there's superheroes, and and, and there's uh, wrestlers and heroes. Did you? Was there a correlation there to? put those two together for what you're doing? I mean, I didn't see it at the time, but, um, yeah, as I got older, I definitely saw just how much they influenced each other. They were just essentially the same thing. It was good versus evil all the time. And, uh, you know, now it's a little muddy because it's like you got tweeners and everybody says those archetypes just don't matter. But at the end of the day, I mean – I look at my you nephew, and he's the he's five years old, and the first time, every time he sits down and watches a show, before he, like, he might have missed five minutes, but the first thing he wants to know, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy? He asks okay. me that all the time. Really? Okay. Yeah, so it's like, that is what people want to know. They want to know uh-huh. who they're supposed to be cheering for, or why, uh-huh. or whatever, and if you end up cheering for the bad guy, uh, you know, they might, might, might not be doing their job right, or uh, they're just that cool and charismatic. So, like, uh, you know, for example, I I couldn't put my finger on it. For some reason, when Razor Ramon showed up, I was like, that guy is just the friggin' man. I love that guy. He's the bad guy, but but he's so sweet. I'd co-sign on that, yeah. Uh, Okay, so this, I'm going to get really nerdy for a minute. So, you have, uh, there was a comics revolution. We were talking about it earlier in the green room with with, uh, indie comics and with, Jim Lee and with everything that they did, they left the big corporations and they started their own company with Image Comics, right? And what I noticed, which I thought was so cool, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but about 2016 to 2018, the indie wrestling uh, scene blew the fuck up. Like it was huge. You had the Bullet Club and all this stuff. It was cooler to go to an indie wrestling show than it was to go to anything that was on TV. 
at the time. And they were, they were selling merchandise. They were doing all this cool stuff. Now, do you think, uh, like, is that something that inspired you in your career? Like, oh, my God, I'm doing the right thing. I love what's going on here, or am I looking at it the wrong way? No, no, you're definitely looking at it the right way, and that's uh, the, the fans that go to those shows really influence what's hot in the business now because mm. they're so vocal about it, and they'll <laughs> they'll hit Twitter, and they'll let you know how they feel. And right. uh, when they're in an arena, they make sure everybody knows they almost – you know, hypnotize the rest of the crowd into what they're supposed to be cheering. So, right. you know, if they're trying to force something down your throat on a particular show, some sort of guy, but they know that he's not one of them. He didn't start out loving this and he didn't, you know, break his back in front of 10 people, you yeah, know, for yeah. 20 minutes wrestling some guy that didn't belong in the ring with him, but he still gave the fans their money's worth and brought the most out of that match with whoever he was wrestling. Like they respect that. And that's the kind of guy they want to see succeed. And that's why we see so many of those guys at the top uh, right now. Whereas, you know, you get a guy that, you know, was a former athlete. Yeah, that's great. But you had it that they see it as you've had it easy because maybe you came from the NFL or you came from some other sport, some other walk of fame. And then you were able to walk into this other, uh, level of entertainment. Right. And now we're supposed to cheer for you. No, you didn't have it nearly as hard as this guy who broke his back doing it. So fair enough. Okay. So now is the genetic jackpot, Joe Coleman, is he from, is, is he from – and I, a part of your thing is he's from Gainesville, Florida? Is that, I'm confused. <laughs> he's from Gainesville, Florida, man. Okay, right, That's right. So, that, you know, he's got gains, you know. Yeah, in the, in absolutely. The, yeah. He comes out with Protocolypse protein powder. It's 157 grams per serving. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, what is – Gives me bubble guts through? immediately. But ah! it's, it's fine ah! because it's all about getting jacked and getting huge. Right. And no one ever got huge eating like a little bitch. You need those <laughs> calories. You need those <laughs> GOP – Grams of protein for the layman, 157 per serving. Way right. too much, but uh, and that, that, you gotta get hard to live hard. <laughs> right. So this is now this is this is a protein uh, rich character, and right now you are uh, the holder of two belts, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, as part of Halal Beefcake, we're the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Mm-hmm. We're the Clash Wrestling Tag Team Champions, and we did have the. Uh, United Glory Tag Team Championships for Glory Pro Wrestling in Missouri. But, you know, COVID showed up and uh, jammed everybody up. And, you know, we couldn't risk yeah. making the show, unfortunately. And uh, So President had Jack to, Tunney. Had to dry, yeah, we got Jack Tunney out of that <laughs> one. We got Jack Tunney. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, well, but you know what? It's all in a day's work. We'll show right. up and uh, whoop some ass and take those belts back when it's time. Oh, for so. sure. So the the – the presentation of Halal Beefcake, I, I fucking love this. I've seen your, your promos like in front of swing sets in Gainesville, Florida. And but you guys <laughs> the Halal Beefcake Performance Center, performance sir. Performance center, excuse All me. Right. Excuse me. I fucked up. So <laughs> you guys come out and you bring out the, the protein bottle or whatever you want to call that thing. Protocolypse. Protocolypse, yes. Come on. I love come it. on. Man, I, I'm gonna have to hook you up with some. I've All got right. some in my truck right now. So the protein comes out. Right, and and it's almost like the urn that Paul Bearer had, you know, with the Undertaker. Right, this is to an like, extent. It's just yeah. as mystical, and uh, it's hit quite a few people in the eyes. Sometimes it gets me. I don't know. Right, right. Now you, uh, you. Now tell us about Halal Beefcake and your partner. 
Yeah, uh, Idris Abraham. Uh, yes. He's uh, he's he's speed of law beefcake, and I kind of <laughs> use him as a wrecking ball because I pick right. him up and throw him at all of my opponents. And uh, it's like Wolverine and uh, pretty much, uh, yeah, almost like a fastball special. But we right. actually we actually call it the shawarma hawk missile. Shawarma hawk missile. So yeah, man, it's sweet. Uh, I can't wait to shawarma hawk a couple other freaking dudes. <laughs> When we get back in that ring, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we've been at it for a while, and it's it's been great, man. Uh, it was funny. He met me uh, at the gym I used to go to uh, in Taylor, Michigan. Uh, you well, guys I don't was, go to the gym. Oh <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Genetic jackpot. Come on. I just I showed up to just give sign uh, my autobiography there. <laughs> okay, that, that's it. But um. Yeah, we met there like while I was at OVW and he was just training here uh, in Can Am Wrestling in Windsor. And he's like, Oh, you're a wrestler? I'm like, Yeah, man. Yeah. He's like, Oh, what can I do to get as huge as you? And I'm like, yeah. You know, prayers, training, and vitamins, brother. And I did that whole thing and yeah. all that. And he's like, Oh, wow, this guy. And he was just such a nice, nice kid. And then eventually, yeah. when I moved back to this area and started doing the independence and training over uh, at Can Am myself to just stay fresh, uh, you know, kind of became really fast friends with him and my buddy and, and uh he came out of his shell and now he's yeah. a complete psychopath <laughs> so i love it there, I love that it. is there he is the sultan of shawarma and he was on Ooh. monday night raw as the sultan of shawarma which is brilliant when so was that? they might owe me some intellectual rights for that <laughs> uh because i came up with it but uh it was uh, 2018 okay. September-ish okay. or something. Yeah, he should have won the whatever the the crown jewel cup, whatever. He was in the oh. qualifying battle royal over for in it. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, okay. he almost won it. He almost had uh, Baron Corbin over the top rope, but you know Baron, he's a tough guy. He's yeah. one of them big, strong NFL athletes. <laughs> Threw him right out. You know, I was I was disappointed, but I was proud. <laughs> I was proud. All right, Joe. So thank you very much for the gifts and, and the stories. I appreciate it. If people want up to date info on Joe Coleman, uh, do you have a social media page or website where people can see when this bullshit coronavirus is finally over, where they can see you wrestle? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm uh, at uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Thunderlats. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's exactly what it says on my weight belt when I'm squatting all them plates. And people are like, who is this guy? I think he is. I'm going to Google that. Oh, wait, Thunderlats? Now I see. <laughs> uh, yeah, at Thunderlats. So go ahead. Uh, check it out. Give me a follow. Uh, post some cool stuff sometimes when I'm doing things and there's not, you know, a virus destroying the planet. Right. But uh, All right. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. No, we, thank you. We have about, uh, five, nine, about 18 minutes here for a break. We have... Light Bulb in a Factory by Jim Torito. Master Spanish Jazz by Megatherium. Panda House uh, is going to be singing Stranger Than. And the Gas Hounds with All the Tears. We'll be back in about 18 minutes. Thank you. Would you look at that? The tungsten filament is halfway through its life. The heated glass behaves like weather. 
gentlemen welcome back to motown mojo live episode 211 part two hope you enjoyed those songs from our former guests we would like to thank our great sponsors at this time mess bucket comics a self-published independent detroit michigan-based comic book company for more information check out messbucketcomics.com and find them on social media facebook twitter instagram at mess bucket comic also the frozen fish fiasco charity hockey event at clark park in detroit michigan it is this January 30th and 34th, 31st at 2021 at FrozenFishFiasco.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor, attendee, or volunteer, please check it out. Also, Grind Time with Darren McCarty podcast. They uh, Prior to the uh, pandemic, they were live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. When they finally come back, check them out at DarrenMcCarty.com. Our very first sponsor, the House of Shamrocks Grill, Bar and Grill in Hazel Park, Michigan, on 9 and John R., locally here in Detroit, Michigan. Check them out. They have great food and drink specials, and they have many of our former live musical guests performing live on Motown Mojo Tuesdays as soon as this <coughs> pandemic is over. Check out houseofshamrocks.com and tell them Motown Mojo Live sent you. And finally, our great beer sponsor, Roke Brewery. They couldn't be more local. They are right down the street from the Echo Network studio. They have been our beer sponsor for our guests for over three years. And uh, 
Uh, Mr. Joe Coleman, what have you been drinking? Were you having the... Uh... I've had the Hop Gazer. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Did you enjoy that? I did. All right. Phenomenal. Great local uh, beer company here. And Mr. Marcus Concernicus, what have you had today? You know, I usually stick to the Roketober fest. <laughs> All right. It's a, what is it, a Marzen? It's a Marzen. All right. Thank you to Roke Brewing Company and all of our great sponsors. So, my great co-host has filled in as the musical performer, and he's going to play three songs. Uh, we don't know what we're going to hear. Whoa, whoa. Just go ahead. I'm just tweaking. Okay. I sound like I am <laughs> Alex Trebek. <laughs> but, uh, okay. So, is yours going to sound good here? Should I mute my mic? Check. It's good. Okay. All right. So, Mr. Marcus Concernicus, tell us what the first song is going to be. Uh, this first song is about the weeds, Dominic. Okay. <laughs> How many weeds? All the weeds. I do a couple versions of it, like with the looper. I I loop uh, just the two of us, and I love okay. you, Mary Jane, into it, and right, it right. becomes a thing. Right. But just that's the acoustic version. Do you have another one for us? Yeah, I'll do one more, and then we'll do the improv bit. Do you have a story behind this one? Or? Um, so there was this in 2009. I like found a lot of opportunity stuff online, and there was this one radio station looking for songs about Detroit and a whole bunch of like you know rappers and R&B people did what you know and I did uh, an acoustic one okay just acoustic and vocals and they invited all these people down to a show at uh, I think it was the Majestic Theater where everyone 
did their song and everything. So I did. I, I was out there with a piano doing it, but I did it on acoustic originally, and it's just a little ode to Detroit. spoke about before has a very good talent of making uh songs up improv songs and he has been taking notes on uh the genetic jackpot mr joe coleman man why am i so nervous about this <laughs> so oh, uh, he's got a song <laughs> and we always ask our guests to uh spin the genre wheel joe coleman what type of music would you like to hear? Any, any, anything you want. Yell it out there. If you can't think of a, a genre, maybe a band or a whatever. Uh, see, I thought there'd be a wheel to spin, but now, Ooh, I, now I just want to challenge. Simulating we have a, a limited budget. Simulating a wheel. What if I say bluegrass? Bluegrass. Oh,
Joe Coleman, uh, he told you about all of his great uh, wrestling uh, accomplishments, but what he didn't tell you is that what he's most proud of is appearing in the Mess Bucket Comics, uh, Rowdy Ready Piper, the Kilted Avenger. He is in the crowd. He is there. The, gene- <laughs> the genetic jackpot is there, and he's flexing, and he looks fucking phenomenal, right? Looks and- just like me. <laughs> Unmistakable who that man is. Yes, exactly. Everybody knows who the fuck he is. So, uh, <laughs> what we, uh, in one thing, he purchased the comic, and I'm very happy that he did that. And he said, I have a Roddy Piper story, Dominic. Dominic, I met him, and I'm like, for fuck's sakes, I never even met him. I never <laughs> even got to meet him. I walked by him one time at a Comic Con, but he has a story about how he met Roddy Piper and this is a doozy. He's telling me I can't wait to tell this thing and I'm excited. There's no pressure here, Mr. Coleman. Uh, Marcus is going to play a song. Do you prefer upbeat or just 
lazy kind of thing, or what, whatever he wants to do works for me. Why don't you spin me. the genre wheel works again? For me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Whatever, whatever he thinks feels best for story time. But you know. Uh, so you know, it was right before I actually uh, started wrestling. So probably about mm, four months prior. I want to say it was like June 2010. Okay. And uh, I went out to L.A. to visit a buddy who lived out that way with one of my friends here in Michigan. We made a trip, went to Vegas, and then stayed at his place in L.A., just a little vacation. And uh, the whole time we were there, my buddy Kyle was like, man, you know what? We got to go see a comedy show at some point. We got to go to the comedy store. We are like, ah, oh, yeah, we might do something like that, whatever. And uh, a couple days roll by. He's mentioned it every night. And then the second night, he goes, oh, man, we definitely got to go to the comedy store tonight. Listen to us. Wind it uh, lineup and he, he mentions everybody who's on the marquee so we've got bill burr was on there uh sebastian Maniscalco. if i didn't massacre his name he's really he's my favorite comedian he's amazing oh i love that guy but there were a lot of heavy hitters on this uh yeah. this card at the show and he's like and then also making a special appearance rowdy roddy piper i'm like oh man that's so amazing I got it, I got it. We got to go see Roddy Piper do some stand-up. So we go to it, and uh, this is still during my party phase. So I, you know, finished. <laughs> I finished school, but I'm still going hard for a, a couple years. Like a party boy. Um, yeah. So we get to the, the comedy store, and uh, I'm, I'm a few beers in when all of a sudden I feel my buddy uh, Kyle tap me on the shoulder, and I go, what? And he points over, and less than two feet from him, Brett the Hitman Hart is sitting there. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And Brett makes eye contact with me. What year is this? This is 2010. Okay. And Brett Hart makes eye contact with me, and he just sees the, ch the childhood wonder in my face. But I, deep down inside, I'm like, oh, don't be a mark. You can't, you can't dare go up to Brett Hart. And the childhood dream. But he could see it. He was like, oh man, this motherfucker right now, right. this drunk asshole. And I'm just, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, Brett's sitting right there. I'm going to have to meet him later after this. Uh, but, you know, uh, all this stuff goes on. And Roddy Piper eventually comes out and he tells a few stories about his time in the ring. He was like the main event of the show, too. Okay. So he came out. and He's just, the main event after Bill Burr and Yeah, Sebastian. yeah. It was like they, they kind of opened for him. I guess it was kind of one of those things where uh, these bigger stars kind of try out their material. Okay. You know, they take it on the road and then they do it. Because, I mean, I'd heard some of the... Some of them go on to do their comedy central specials, and then I heard a lot of the same bits on there, so it was kind of something like that. But uh, Piper at the end, he's like, you know, and I want to thank the WWE for sending, there was some agent out there, and Brett the Hitman Hart to tell stories, and I look right at Brett, I'm like, yeah, and I'm clapping real hard, just screaming and cheering. And my buddy Chris, he's sitting, I swear, he's not a foot away from Brett Hart, and he goes to put his fist out for Brett to bump it. And Bret Hart stares at his fist, which is outstretched for what feels like an eternity. Probably, it was probably out there for about like 12 to 15 seconds. And Bret Hart just stares down at it, and then he just looks the other way. So he contemplated bumping this man's fist for 15 seconds, and then just decided not to. <laughs> with with a simple head turn, and my buddy's hand just twists over, and he's like, why? <laughs> and I was like, that is some bullshit, Bret Hart. Wow. But, uh, yeah, after the show, we met Roddy Piper outside, and, you know, I went up to him, and I'm like, oh, it's such a pleasure to meet you. And he's like, where are you from, kid? Where are you from? And I'm like, uh, Detroit, actually. He's like, Detroit, what are you down here doing out here? You moving houses? And he puts it, he chops me in the chest. I'm like, oh, man, Roddy Piper. 
sure. Uh, saying I looked huge, and I was like way smaller back then. But it was still, it was still sweet. Super nice guy. We took like uh, four or five pictures together. He was just yes. the nicest dude. Yeah. So uh, it was a real cool story, and you know I'll never forget it, and uh, I'll never forget the fact that Bret Hart dissed my friend like that. Yeah, yeah. Dude, Bret's a bit of a dick. I, I guess so. Yeah. He, he wasn't, Chris wasn't worthy of the fist bump. No. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Thank you, Mr. Marcus Concernicus, for the Thank uh, you. for the background. Can you give us like a, I'm thinking to take us out of here, maybe like a, an Alice in Chains really slow kind of fucking, uh, what was that, uh, unplugged kind of thing? Okay, nice. Where are we going? Where I'm going with this thing. Uh, a lot of us share some geeky similarities, right? I was going to ask Mr. Joe Coleman, uh, you know, for people that aren't wrestling fans, if they can watch one wrestling match, what would they watch? You can, you can do that if you want. But uh, I'm wondering, uh, a comic book series, something that really fucking grabbed you, you know what I mean? Something, something that if you could, uh, if it was a top three type of story, art and the story and everything that was done perfectly well. Like, what, what would you go with? Man, so, so many to choose from and now it almost, you know, I don't want to be cliche with things and say like, what I'm hold you what I uh, man, I don't know. It's, it's really tough because I'm, I'm trying to think of what's, uh, there's so many different like X-Men issues I like, single right. issues and things like that and then like story arc, I, lo- I mean, I was raised in comics in the early 90s, so I grew up on the death of Superman and Nightfall and things like that. But, you know, X-Men, it was like Executioner Song and the Age of Apocalypse and right. all that crazy stuff. But, uh... One story arc. I'm trying to think of something masterful. Man, I'm the... Oh, you do this to me! Why? Oh! Uh, well, you're a Wolverine guy. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I want to say Fatal Attraction, because, you know, he uses his stuff, and I like where he, you know, did the bone claws at the end and left okay. X-Men, but uh, I, 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 you can't put me as that's the one story I want to do, but if I say, if I say, oh, the Infinity Gauntlet saga, that's what everybody says, especially right. now because of the movies, or the Dark Phoenix saga. All right, so one weird one that nobody would pick. Probably Fatal Attraction, I agree. I agree. <laughs> which, I re- which I really did like. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll... I guess I'll go with that. <laughs> we got a little bit of a uh, idea of what. Brian you know did. what? Let's go with. Uh, let's go crazy. Let's go Night of the Beast, Batman versus the KGBs. Oh shit! There oh, we go. Okay. There that's, we go. It's way the fuck out there. I there like we that. go. All right. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. All or right. uh, you know what? We can do Spider-Man. And we'll do the the Sin Eater saga from the '80s. Those were really Ooh. good. It's spectacular. Spider-Man. This motherfucker. Like I can't even hang with you much longer. Like <laughs> you're, you're such an encyclopedia of. So yeah, put, put me on the spot. I'm like, oh, shit, what did right, I pick? There's right. so many good things. I don't know. Now, if there's a wrestling angle, something that uh, you would put in a time capsule, would there be something you, you that just... I know we talked about earlier, your Shawn Michaels, uh, Bret Hart kind of kind of thing, but something that you think actually like captures the essence of what pro wrestling should there's, really there's be about. There's two. Okay. And number right. one, if I'm going to show somebody wrestling that's never seen wrestling. I like this. I okay. have to show them the submission match from WrestleMania 13. Ah! Yes! And that's what I have to show yes. them because it's just, uh, 
you know, that, they got to see the promo package beforehand yes. so they know the context of the story, and then they see what happens in the ring, and it's magic. It's just... The double turn. Man, it's just the coolest fucking match. It's I, I, just I, I'd awesome. say I co-signed that. Everything I'd like to co-sign that twice. Yeah, and then after that, I, I want to say... Uh, the, the career match at WrestleMania 7, Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage. Oh, Because really? there's, there's so much emotion to it. Yeah. Like, really? I mean, it's crazy. Like, there's all the story that goes into it from the Warrior's entrance. He walks to the ring. His, tight, oh, yeah. his, tights, are, <laughs> his tights are airbrushed to say it with, like, there's a world title on it, but it says means much more than this because it's the career match. Oh, and okay. uh, they have this big match and... Randy Savage can't put Warrior out, and he drops the elbow on him five times. Warrior kicks out and ends up beating him. His career's over. And then Sherry gets in the ring and starts putting the boots to him because, you know, he was her meal ticket, and now she's going to be out on the streets because she has nothing because the king is gone. He's got to retire. And then all of a sudden, out of the crowd, Miss Elizabeth comes and grabs Sherry by the hair, throws her out of the ring. Savage gets up, and he can't believe it. He sees Miss Elizabeth there. After all this time, he's been a huge piece of shit for two years right they they embrace they hug people are crying yeah. it's insane the pop and circumstance hits macho man holds the ropes open for elizabeth it's just like a, it's a fairy tale of a wrestling match wow. like because he he started as just this ultimate heel and then by the end of it like the fans were freaking crying because right. he lost but it didn't matter because he had his true love with them oh man it was was that? It's like the end of Rocky. A little him. bit, yeah. You know, he lost, but he had Adrian. Dude, I, I, I swear to this day. I mean, I've watched it probably uh, four or five times this week. I've, I've watched. That's the, la- huh? the best finishing like five minutes of any movie ever. From the point where Rocky gets fucking knocked down, right. he gets up. Apollo can't believe it, and then oh man, it's just so good. And it's, it's not about winning. It was just going the distance. It was, it's I so good. I watch it every. Every week, multiple times while I'm working out. <laughs> I never even. I'm gonna have to watch that, uh, that match again because you put so much stink on that. Like that, dude. Was so- you gotta watch it. Yeah. Watch it all, and then like the whole story of it all, man. It's great. And everybody wants to. Everybody wants to crap on the Ultimate Warrior, but no. Back to back WrestleManias. He, yeah, it was who he worked with, and they put the match together for him. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Those were great matches, and they stand the test of time. He was. You. You can't. It's hard to argue that he wasn't fucked in the head. But <laughs> right. I mean, it's hard to. But he did. He 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 came out with some really great stuff that touched a lot of it, people. It, dude, it grabbed people, and it took talent. It, he, you know, his promos were just completely insane, but it, right. that in and of itself takes so much talent to do. Like, very he's amazing. just coming off the freaking off the cuff with all of this insanity right. and intensity, and just looks like he's gonna explode the entire time, and it's just amazing. Wow, I have to watch that again. Matt, yeah, you, dude. You made me want to watch it again by your explanation, which was just, so incredible. You gotta watch it. WrestleMania 7 from start to finish it's not it's not just about the match it's about the aftermath of the match and everything going into it it's just okay. it's so great i would have never guessed but like that's the thing that's missing because like so he's retired yeah he, randy savage is retired he's got to be an announcer and then he does he proposes to elizabeth and all that and then all of a sudden the undertaker and jake the snake crash the wedding <laughs> right, right and then he's got to fight for her honor and then jake makes the snake bite his arm who can forget yeah. that Unbelievable. Yeah. Greatest yeah. stuff. Like, 
and it, that's and you know what my favorite like uh, <laughs> I actually my favorite wrestling angle okay. my favorite wrestling angle I'm saying it right now okay. is Ric Flair and Randy Savage going into WrestleMania eight Ooh. where she was mine <laughs> before yeah. she was yours <laughs> and there are all these pictures of her feeding him strawberries yes. and he's teaching her how to play pool oh dude it that was the best. That was the greatest angle. That's wow. my favorite angle ever. That's so good. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> the first one I could see. The second two, I I didn't see until you explained it. Oh, it's That's so fun. good. It's so good. Oh my god, I love that. that now I got some things and to it, watch. It was one like, of the funny things that's pulled up. Cause I mean, I was a kid watching it, so like. I didn't put two and two together that Ric Flair has these pictures that were before she was with Randy Savage, but she looks nothing like she looked like in the 80s in those pictures. It's right. clearly they were taken like three weeks ago. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. It's still, it was amazing. It suckered, I know, I was a kid. I was like, oh man, she awesome. dated Ric Flair? I can't believe this. And They're on horses? He's bragging about it. Yeah. He's being a dick. <laughs> Marcus, uh, could you tell us some of, I know, Marcus has some really cool uh, comic book recommendations, some of the stuff. You were telling us about these books in the uh, in the green room prior. Can you tell us? Uh, yeah, I picked up V for Vendetta recently, which I've always wanted to get. Yes. I picked up some new Eric Powell stuff. Well, old stuff, but it's new to me. Like his, The Goon and uh, Hillbilly. Uh -huh. And uh, I picked up this other guy who did a book for Image Kabuki. Okay. That's Really great, black and white, all through the whole thing. It's a thick book. It's really good. Um, some Mike Mignola stuff, a Hellboy book. Um, a couple weird things. Oh, Kick-Ass. Right. The collection of those books. I've never read the comic. I thought the movie was decent. Um, those are the recent ones, though. Okay. Um, Sandman Overture is a really good one to, to, to dive into. Um what about the ones that you like, brought to me? I think there were some image comics that were like way the fuck out there. Yes. Uh, was that Seven Destiny? Seven to Destiny? Something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> oh, the Ro beer. Roke beer is fucking yeah. burping you yeah. uh, Monstrous is really good. Um, uh, Tokyo Ghost, Sean Murphy's work. Mm. Fucking ridiculous. Right. And he's a cool guy. I met him at last year at the at the con. I specifically yeah. went over there to buy a couple prints, and he gave me a couple free ones, and he was a super right. nice dude. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to break into this whole world of comics because it's, uh, it's always been uh, one of my favorite things growing up. It's you a know? great storytelling feature. I, I love doing comics. Yeah. Um, so I, I thank you guys. Thank you very much. Let's hear it one more time for Mr. Joe Coleman. Stop. <laughs> The Lantern! And uh, Mr. Marcus Conservatives. Thank you, Marcus. Yes. All right. Good people. Uh, the one thing I'd like to uh, drive home with everybody listening is that uh, it all comes down to passion. If, 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 if you have passion, you have to follow it. You know, and, and, and you can just tell... By hearing Joe Coleman explain his favorite storylines in wrestling, like he, if, if you were here with me and, and watching it live, his uh, his his muscular veins were busting out of his head, and he, he was going, and he was so passionate about it. I, I wanted to watch it there. I, I like I'm gonna go home and watch these matches now because he sold it for me. Passion is everything when it comes to art, 
whatever it may be, whether it's music, pro wrestling, anything like that. Thank you, people, for listening to Motown Mojo Live, episode 211. We will see you next week. But I didn't have to go easy on you. A different binding agent, a stronger mix. I want you to remember that. I wanted to remind you to stay out of my way. In all the years to come, in your most private moments, I want you to remember the one man who beat you. If you launch those helicarriers today, Hydra will be able to kill anyone that stands in their way. Unless we stop them. I know I'm asking a lot. The price of freedom is high. Always has been. It's a price I'm willing to pay. If I'm the only one, then so be it. But I'm willing to bet I'm not. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. I don't know if I can be some vigilante. You can be better. Because you can inspire people in a way that I never could. Watching over your city like a guardian angel, making a difference, saving people in a flash. But one day you'll figure this out. And when you do, change the world what is and always will be my greatest creation is you